Well, greetings, greetings, and welcome to the show. This is Wrong Place, Right Crime. I am your host, Frank Zafiro, and this is an open and shut episode with Michael Poole. Now, Michael is a return guest. Uh, he was on back in uh, April of 2019 on episode 40, talking about his uh, new book then, uh, Rose City. Uh, he's had some other books come out since then, including Throwing Off Sparks, a Riley Reeves book. And he's written uh, a series starring Rick Malone. Uh, most recent of those is One Way Out. And the reason he's on the show, well, he also wrote episode 16 of a grifter song rocky mountain lie sam and rachel are in the vale colorado area and in addition to them there's a bit of a crossover element in that he brings his detective rick malone into the picture uh, so we're going to talk to him about that and a variety of other things but before we talk to michael i want to remind you that wrong place right crime is proudly sponsored by down and Out Books. Down and Out Books is a mid-sized publisher of crime fiction, most of it at the darker and grittier end of the spectrum. If you enjoy that kind of story, you can learn more at their website, downandoutbooks.com. That's Down and Out Books, all spelled out, dot com. Down and Out Books, take the journey with us. And now, let's welcome Michael Poole back to the show. Hey, Michael. Welcome to the show. Thanks for having me, Frank. I really appreciate it. I should say welcome back. You were on the show to talk about Rose City not that long ago. Yep. It uh, seems like a long time ago now, a lifetime ago, but it really wasn't that long ago. <laughs> well, 2020 has been a long year. Right. I think it's maybe like 10 years rolled into one. So, Well, you've made good use of the time in addition to some of your own novels. Uh, you wrote uh, episode 16 of A Grifter Song. So uh, maybe you can tell people what that's about. Yeah. So in Rocky Mountain Lie, Sam and Rachel are in Vail, Colorado, and they're looking for a rich mark basically to convince to invest in a fraudulent dispensary scam that they have going. And uh, in the process, they pick a mark that they unknowingly has a PI on his tail. And so you kind of get this three point of view story where um, Sam and Rachel are trying to get the money. The PI is trying to recover the money for another client. And the, the uh, mark is just generally kind of being a piece of shit if i can say it any better than that <laughs> yeah well a uh, piece of shit marks are the ones that we feel the least uh sorry for uh so uh, you know marijuana features pretty prominently in this uh, story in fact uh, there's a giant leaf on the cover right correct yeah i thought it'd be fun to, to write about that because um it is legal now and so i thought it was really interesting to kind of center a crime around it any even though it is legal well not just marijuana being legal but uh, a lot of other elements of colorado or present in the story. It seems like that's something you really worked at to get that sense of place. Right. You know, I've lived in Colorado for most of the last 20 years. And so it's a place that I know really well. And um, I actually, in my career as a PI, have worked in Vail before. And, and that's one of the, the pl places where I came up with the idea for the story um, was after some work that I did up there. And yeah, you know, it's, it's a good sense of place. Vail is, is not one of my favorite places in Colorado. And that's kind of why I thought it would be fun to set the story there. It's just, it's very ritzy and um, crowded and very unlike the towns that I typically try to visit myself, but I thought it made a really good setting for a crime story. So yeah, it seems like kind of a posh sort of place. <laughs> uh, so in writing a grifter song, you know, this wasn't uh, one of your own books. It was something that uh, came with 
its own set of uh, rules and sort of foul lines to play within, almost like writing a television episode for an existing series. Um, how did you handle that? Did you like it? Did it, did, it, did you struggle with it? You know, I, I really liked it, actually. Um, I, I thought it was really fun. It felt like collaborating with somebody else in a way that I've never done before. Um, I know that you've written several books with other people, but I've never done that. And so for me, it was really neat to have these fully formed characters that I got to get in their heads and kind of write from their perspective, um, as well as kind of tie them to characters that I know and that I created. So it was kind of a, a mix of the two things, which I thought was really interesting. And you know, more than anything, I really loved the length of it. Like I hadn't written a lot of things at this length and I just, I loved it. It's so fast and punchy and there's no room for, you know, getting sidetracked. It just kind of barrels through the story. So, well, all of the grifter song authors had the opportunity to choose a lot of things, uh, despite the foul lines I mentioned earlier, uh, location, uh, point of view, uh, what the con was, how it was resolved, um, you know, a lot, a lot of the story elements, uh, but you took a little bit different approach, uh, in a couple of ways. And one of those was to introduce one of your own characters, Rick Malone into the, uh, story. And then you handled point of view a little bit differently as well. Yeah. You know, what was interesting about it is, uh, there was something that I wanted to try and it's one of the reasons that I ended up bringing my own character into it. Um, I really like Robert Crace's Elvis Cole series. And one of the really interesting things that he does in that series is he writes, writes Elvis from the first person perspective, but he often writes in third person from other perspectives. And so I had never mixed the perspectives before like that. And it's something that I wanted to try. And so it's something that I did with my story. Um, in terms of Rick, you know, he's already kind of bouncing around Colorado. That's where he works in his series. And so I thought it'd be really fun to kind of add him in. Um, I've, I've been writing a lot of PI fiction lately. And so I was kind of on that kick already. And I thought, well, wouldn't it be interesting if Sam and Rachel unknowingly had a PI on their tail uh, who was not after them, but was after somebody else, but in the process could get involved in their scam and potentially kind of muck things up for them. Which, spoiler alert, is exactly what happens. <laughs> um, so who is Rick Malone? So Rick is a career PI. Um, what sets him apart a little bit is he suffers from bipolar disorder, which doesn't really come up much in the Grifter song story, but does more in the novels that I've written about him. And so oftentimes, depending on like whether he's stable or whether he's in a, a manic cycle or a depressive cycle, it kind of affects the way that he sees things and works his cases. And so I, I kind of wanted to... Um, take that and work with it. I, I haven't really, I don't tell a lot of people this, but I have bipolar disorder and you know, I've worked as, I work as a PI as well. And so I've had some of these struggles in my own life, in my own career. And I thought it would be interesting to try to capture them in fiction, um, put them in, you know, obviously more hairy situations than I generally get into and kind of just, you know, see where it went. Uh, that started off, you know, as something short and then ended up as, as a novel. Um, I've since written uh, another novella with him, and I'm finishing up a second novel in the series right now, which is uh, called Cold Hard Facts. And I, I really like writing from his perspective. He's a lot like me, and I think I've never really tried to write a character that was like me before. And so um, I actually have found it more challenging than the other things that I've written in the past. Why is that? Is it uh, because he's so much like you or is the other characters are, are completely made up or? Yeah, I think with a, with a regular character, it's generally getting into their head. And I think in this case, it's, it's more getting out of my own head. Um, if that makes sense. Hard to see yourself accurately. Yeah. It's, it's really hard to have perspective on yourself. That's kind of the, the, 
conclusion that I've come to about this is the way that you see yourself is not the way that other people see you. And um, oftentimes you know yourself less well than you think and other people have opinions on you maybe that you don't have. And so obviously he's a fictional character. And so there's some places where he definitely differs from me, but I would say he's, you know, the most like me of any of the characters that I've written. And, you know, that it's been interesting doing that. You know, I've kind of, I'm finishing up that second novel right now. And I think I actually kind of want to work on something else afterward, I think for a while, because a little bit too close to home sometimes need a bit of a palate cleanser. Yeah, definitely. So I don't want to sound too Oprah, but, um, you know, I think it's kind of brave of you to share with people, uh, that you are bipolar, that you have bipolar disorder. And obviously that's something you've been dealing with for a while, Yeah. but now you're, you're choosing to, uh, include it in your fiction. Is there an awareness element to this or is it artistic? Definitely. And, you know, especially, um, you know, my own personal struggles with bipolar disorder, um, I can be different people at different times, as weird as that sounds, you know, depending on where my brain is at. And so um, the last, you know, four or five years of my life have been about really getting that under control and uh, kind of becoming a different person in the process. And so I think I really wanted to see if I could capture what that's like in fiction, you know, what it's like to not know how you're going to wake up every day and like what, what person you're, what version of yourself. And, um, you know, obviously like I have it pretty under control, but you know, there were times in my past where it was much less under control and, you know, I've done or said regrettable things that, you know, like didn't really mesh with who I am. And so, um, I try not to get too much into that with Rick, but I do try to highlight the struggle of, of what it's like when your brain's kind of you know, going out on you and there's a lot more confusion in there than you would like. And you're trying to do something important or work a case and you're kind of dealing with that static in the background. So maybe for people to understand this condition better, but maybe this was a little bit cathartic, a little bit for you as well. I think a little bit of both, you know, I mean, it's, I'm always trying to understand myself better and, you know, obviously, um, I haven't been as open about this in the past as I I've become more recently open about it. I think it helps me to think that people can understand me a little better if they kind of see where I'm coming from and recognize that, you know, people have things going on maybe that you don't see that don't always show on the surface. You know, generally when I'm in public, I can keep fairly good control of myself. It's the people in my private life that see the struggles a lot more. And so, you know, I obviously with a first person perspective character, you can really get into their head. And I think maybe that's where I first came up with the idea to try this. And it sort of just took on a life of its own. I think in, in, in one way out, it's a pretty central part of the book because he is kind of cycling manic as the book begins. But um, in the book I'm working on right now, less so. He's more stable and he's on medication and you get to see more uh, what stable Rick Malone looks like. So, uh, Well, this was something that you didn't share for a long period in your life, but now you are. But what's changed? Is it that uh, you've reached a point in your life where you're more comfortable with it or has the there become less of a stigma in society or, or what? So a little bit of both, actually. Um, you know, COVID was a really tough year for me, as it was for a lot of people, I think. But um, particularly, like, I really function on structure and routine now. You know, like, I, I do things like I go to bed at the same time every day. I get up at the same time every day. And those are really important to keeping my brain stable. And so with everything that was going on in the last year, um, I had, you know, a lot of struggles and a lot of tough times and a lot of, you know, loss of work and things like that, that had me stressed out. And so cycling more. And I think, uh, somewhere in that process, I just became more comfortable with it and more accepting of like, this is, this is the way that I am. And this is part of my life. And 
rather than trying to hide that from people, I'm just going to let it be what it is, you know, like nobody's perfect and we all have struggles and, you know, this is the struggle that I have. And it's, it's kind of worth it to me now more than it was before to, to admit that and just kind of put it out front and center for people to see. Another thing that's happened in the last year is I think the average person has realized that they're a lot closer to, you know, uh, aspects of mental illness than they maybe thought. I know a lot of really stable people who struggled over the last year. And so I think uh, that's been healthy for everyone to realize kind of what that's like, you know? Yeah, well put. Well, you know, that whole idea that we we all are going through something. Uh, you know, you've written novels by yourself. Uh, you've written a grifter song, uh, a novella uh, in a pre-existing universe. Uh, but now you've kind of flipped the script and you are also um, acting as publisher and you've got this project, uh, P.I. Tales, uh, that, uh, well, maybe you can tell us about it. Yeah. So, you know, P.I. Tales, when it started, I, I just knew that I wanted to uh, publish work that focused on P.I. fiction. And, you know, as we've gone along, it's sort of evolved. And, you know, this this latest project that we have with it, this double feature project, um, was actually kind of inspired by you know, my experience when I wrote for a grifter song, I, I mentioned earlier that I really liked that, that length, that 15 to 20,000 word length. It's just a, there's a sweet spot in there. That's the story is so fast and so dynamic, but it is still longer and more complex than a short story. And so I thought, man, I'd really like to read more work in this length. And so one of the first things I did is I wrote another novella called Crimson Smile and, you know, we decided that we were going to put that out with P.I. Tales. And so we paired it with another novella uh, from a gentleman named Hunter Eden. And th th I really like I loved his story and I loved writing my story. And so I knew that I wanted to do more of that. And so kind of this double feature series was born from that. Just, you know, this opportunity to put two, you know, 15 to 20,000 word length stories together that aren't related and then, you know, put them out in the market for people to read. You, you pretty much have to pair a few of them together if you want to put something out in paperback. And so um, that was sort of in my thought process at the time. And I really liked the way that it came out. I was really happy with the first one. I'm super excited about yours, which is going to be paired with a story from Michael Bracken. And uh, his is also a really great story. So, Well, getting to share uh, the pages of a double feature with Michael Bracken is pretty cool. He is uh, He's a good writer. He's a good editor as well. I was in his Guns and Tacos anthology. Uh, and he, he just did a fantastic job there, too. Um, I'm pretty excited about this, too, uh, Michael. You know, um, uh, Hallmarks of the Job is the name of the story, and it features a new character, Stanley Melvin, who I wrote with a little bit more of a whimsical approach uh, than I usually do, but also still try to keep it grounded in reality. Um, and since I was never a PI, I had to steal some of that reality. And uh I actually took something you told me uh, in one of our interviews, uh, or maybe it was when I was on a panel with you, but uh, the thing that uh, has to happen when a PI has to go to the bathroom, but is stuck on a stakeout. Um, I don't know if you spotted that or not. I did, you know, and I actually love that. I think it's great. Um, the, the, this, the whole story itself is really clever and that's what I really liked about it. It was, um, you know, we don't really know exactly what we're looking for when we invite people to write these things. And so it's really fun to see what people come up with and the wide variety of stories that people come up with. So I was, I was, I had a really good time reading and editing yours is actually of all of the things I've edited. It needed the least editing. I think of anything that I've ever, ever put my hands on. So. Well, that's good to hear, but uh, I think you could probably thank uh, my wife and a couple other writers like my buddy Colin Conway and uh, some other beta readers uh, that have taken uh, great pains to point out those mistakes ahead of time so you wouldn't have to. 
Uh, but i um, really looking forward to that coming out later in the year from uh, P.I. Tales. Um, and when uh, when will the next uh, Rick Malone book be out? You know, probably the end of the year. Um, since we're putting it out with P.I. Tales, the, the process is actually a little shorter than, than the typical process. Generally, when you're working with an outside publisher, you know, it can take a year or two to get a book to market. But, um, you know, one of the things that, that we like about about doing this is we can move a little bit faster. We have fewer projects on our plates. And so um, we can really dig in and get it done quick, which is is nice and has been fun. Um, yeah, so I think we're targeting November for that book, which would be a, a year after One Way Out. So, you know, about about one a year is what I'm hoping to do. So more Rick Malone on the horizon. Yeah, definitely. Um, you know, and he may pop up in more of these double features, uh, you know, shorter length stories as well. Um, what I like about that length is it's really episodic. So it lends itself really well to a shorter case, you know. I do. I do. So Rick Malone, Private Investigator, a new book coming out at the end of the year, uh, out now. Episode 16 of A Grifter's Song, Rocky Mountain Lie by Michael Poole. Michael, I want to say thanks for coming back on the show. Yeah, definitely. Thank you very much for having me. It was great. Well, there you are, folks. Michael Poole uh, in his triumphant return to Wrong Place, Right Crime. Uh, He wrote a great episode of A Grifter's Song. Uh, Rick Malone is a cool character, and and I'd recommend checking out uh, not only his uh, episode 16, Rocky Mountain Lie, Uh, but uh, One Way Out, the Rick Malone novel. Uh, Next episode, we're going to talk to Dick Wybrow. Now, a lot of times the uh, guests that uh, come on the show are people that I'm very familiar with, uh, even if I haven't read all of their work. Um, This is an exception. I've never met Dick. I've never read any of his work uh, as of the time he booked on the show. And um, I'm really interested to get to know who he is and what his uh, uh, books are about. Um, The covers are cool. The descriptions are cool. And hey, it says that uh, at least at one time he lived in New Zealand. So a lot of interesting things to talk about on the next episode episode of Wrong Place, Right Crime with Dick Wybrow. Zafiro update for you. If you're listening to this in real time, the novel I wrote with Lawrence Kelter, Fallen City, is available on Amazon for 99 cents. So pick it up if you're hearing this, uh, you know, less than a buck. Uh, if you're not hearing this contemporaneous to that, well, I put things on sale quite often. You can uh, keep up with that by following me on Facebook, Twitter, uh, or sign up for my uh, newsletter. You can link to any of those things for my website at franksafero.com. I want to say thanks to Michael for coming on the show and for being part of the Grifter's Song project. Uh, it's been very rewarding to work with all the different authors, and uh, he was no exception. He's a great guy, and uh, he was nice enough to return the favor and let me be uh, part of P.I. Tales. Uh, so thanks, Michael. Thanks to Down and Out Books for being the sponsor of the show, and thanks to you, uh, the listener, for for taking the time to be here. And if you uh, like what you heard from Michael, uh, you know, please check out Rocky Mountain Lie, the 16th episode of A Grifter's Song, uh, or One Way Out, uh, or any of his other works. Uh, you won't be disappointed. He's a good writer. All right, uh, Dick Wybrow, next episode. Until then, this is Frank Zaffaro reminding you that sometimes you got to be in the wrong place to write crime.